Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. Seventeen thirty GMT. This is Eyewitness News on the first edition in the year twenty twenty three with Umaru Sanda Amadou. My name and tonight I'm here with Nashika Caesar. Coming up over the next ninety minutes. I think that it's a major reaction. I think it doesn't, I mean, really solve the perennial problem of accommodation issues. But it's always a reactionary one. And I believe that when there's, there's, there's a problem, there's not a, a solution to it, not a reaction to it. University of Ghana students on warpath with university authorities over a decision to move students out of Commonwealth and Sabah halls following recent clashes. We'll be hearing about their demonstration today plus reactions from authorities. But while that is on, other students are asking for fees to fall. That is a debate that we'll be having here on Eyewitness News. Also coming up, the media coalition against Ghana Mse is demanding answers from the Inspector General of Police on investigations into the Akunta mines, that mine believed to be owned by the MPP's Ashanti Regional Chairman, Chairman Wuntumi, whose real name is Entry Busiakum. And later, on Eyewitness News, we take you to the Birth and Death, Death Registry, which has been disconnected to power by the Electricity Company of Ghana. And this has left... Many people, frustrated persons, who have been wanting to engage the services of the registry. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business... Business community lament negative impact of an increase in VAT rate and the reversal of discounts on benchmark values on the cost of goods on the market. That's in 50 minutes. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations, including... In the northeast region on SCAP 101.3 FM in Nakpanduri. In the upper east region on Source 100.1 FM in Boko. In the upper west region, we are on Westlink 88.1 FM in Laura. If you go to the northern region, we are live on Diamond 93.7 FM in Tamale. In the Volta region, we are on Global 105.1 FM in Ho and Adanu 107.7 FM in Adakuluaya. In the Ashanti region, we are live on Alpha Radio 104.9 FM in Kumasi and Orange 107.9 FM in Kumasi as well. In the Bono region, we are on Greener 95.9 FM in Suyani. If you go to the Western region, we are on Sky Power 93.5 FM in Takradi and Premier 100.5 FM also in Takradi as well as Beach 105.5 FM in the same regional capital. Do send us your reactions to the stories we are bringing you tonight on Eyewitness News. The WhatsApp number is 0549-986-996. 0549-986-996. You can also drop your messages on Facebook because we are live on Facebook. Just go to CTFN's Facebook page and you see what's happening in the studio and listen to us at your own leisure time. Drop your comments in the comment section. 
This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM Broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadu here with Nashika Siza who opens the show for us. Right, Sanda, now the Pro-Vice-Chancellor for Students and Academic Affairs of the University of Ghana, Professor Gordon Awandari, has justified the increase in fees for the academic year, saying it is in accordance with the law. Students of the university have decried a recent increase, describing it as astronomical. But Professor Awandari explains on the City Breakfast show that the university has not increased its fees since the 2019 academic year, hence the recent move. Professor Wandari blamed the confusion on a communication from the Ghana Tertiary Education Commission. We can confirm that we've increased our fees. Um, and we are increasing the fees exactly according to the law. Um, I think that, uh, let's cut the chase. Uh, what is going on is that um, um, the communication that came from GTEC uh, misled the students into thinking that the fee increment was based on a specific 2021-2022 fee. Mm. So even if you were paying subsidized fees in 2020, uh, 2021-2022, then we need to use that, which is completely wrong. If if you read what Parliament normally approves, they approve it based on their last approval. There has to be a reference point. You approve it based on your last approval. You, you understand? And the last approval was 2019. All right. So you, the, the increase is based on the last approval. It's not based on what people were charging last year. Um, let me give you an example. There are some PhD programs that um, we were charging higher than what uh, uh, you know what, the, what is approved. So when okay. the when the approval came, we had to reduce them. Okay. So we applied the fifteen percent on the reduced amount. <laughs> you understand? Yeah. But you haven't heard the students talk about that one. <laughs> but for the majority of programs where the, we were charging lower than the approved amount, we had to reset to the approved amount and then apply the 15%. That's what the loss is. Okay. The loss is previously approved or the last approved. Okay? Mm. So it will be ridiculous to say that you should use whatever you used last year. So if we were charging illegal fees last year, we should use that. Right? Mm. Remember that the fees have not been increased since 2019. Okay. So people were people were charging, people were doing their own calculations uh, um, since 2019 up to now. So are you saying that whatever any university was using last year, they should apply it on that, even if it was higher than what was approved the last time? Mm. No. Let's let's do things properly. Okay, okay. So the so act, the act says over the last approved, and we're using that. Okay. And so we should not be misleading students into thinking that anything illegal has been done here. I see. So, 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 from what you're saying, you looked at the fees charged in 2019 and you upped it by 15. percent Is that is that what it, it means? The fees that were published by Parliament in 2019, we took that and we added 15. percent That was the last fees that Parliament approved. Parliament did not approve any fees in 2020, 2021. So I don't know what they're talking about. Okay, okay. So, so you feel that the communication brought out by by GTEC is what has been misunderstood. Correct. Correct. And GTEC needs to reissue that and correct that. Because that's what they issued is not what is in the law. Great. So, I, I, I'm, can you just explain to us, so between 2019 and now that there's this increase, what was happening in that three-year gap? How were you running the university since you could not increase the fees and you could not get approval to do so? That's exactly the question. And that's what um, students need to appreciate. In the University of Ghana, 
based on the same uh, Christ, the students are crying now. We we did not implement the fees the last time, and we held our fees constant for the last three years. Okay, and mm-hmm. now now we are saying that based on the cost of everything, and everybody knows the rate of inflation now. We cannot continue to maintain that subsidy, and we are taking the subsidy off, and we are using what was approved, which is rightfully um, available to us. Okay. So we're going with what was rightfully made available to us. Students can engage management on a case-by-case basis. In fact, yesterday we engaged our SRC and GRASAC, and they, they, they talked about specific programs, some of our special programs where the fees are, are, are too high, and we said we'll take a look at those. But to go around making the point that there's some illegality, I think the students are shooting themselves in the foot. Because if we talk about illegality, we go to court for interpretation. Okay. And when the court rules in our favor, not a single city would be removed. Mm. Okay. Okay. So rather than rather than um, making false allegations about illegality, they should be engaging their manage, management and looking at ways to uh, uh, you know manage the fees for them to be able to pay, rather okay. than making false allegations about illegality. Mm, Prof, I'm, I'm I'm curious. So has the university? Um, met the students as a group, let's say through um, SRC, GRASAG, those entities, to properly explain what exactly is happening, so they get clarity. Have you have you engaged the students at, and, um, at any level or on any front just to give them a proper understanding on what the situation is? Yes, we have. Yesterday we were, we had a meeting with them for over three hours, and we took them through all the numbers and they understood everything. The only thing they asked for was to plead for us to see what we can do about some specific program. They understood the math. This is mathematics. We work them through the mathematics. So I don't think you've had any student leader from the University of Ghana alleging that we've done anything illegal. I haven't had any. Mm, okay. Nooks are, not, nooks are not at the University of Ghana. They don't know what numbers we use. They've never come to us to explain the numbers we've used. But they go on radio and make wild allegations. Mm. Please let's let's be decorous. Okay. Let's talk based on facts. All right. Let me let me. There's a there's a uh, a message we received from a a listener. Let me let me just read this one to you, just so you can maybe this could be a good touch point to address some of these issues. The person says at the University of Ghana Business School, we were paying eight thousand four hundred per semester, but now we are paying eleven thousand. 400 per semester for weekend MBA and the person says meanwhile our classes are online I think that's that really is, is inconsequential but so the person is saying that they were paying 8,400 per semester now they are paying 11,400 per semester so in this case can you explain to us the reason why this jump has occurred in this from this message that I've just read to you so but what basically what he's saying is that he was paying a subsidized fee. So if we correct it to the, the correct fees, it would have been nine to 10,000. And then we applied a 15% and then he gets to where he is now. So he was paying a subsidized fee. Okay. Okay. So we corrected it first to the approved fees, okay. which are published by the way. And I, I encourage the media to go for the published fees from 2019. Please. I see. Go and get a copy from parliament and apply 15% on it. Please. I encourage all the media to do that. Let's stop talking about things in, in space. There are documents. Let's get a copy. 
I encourage the media to do that so that we bring some sanity to this discussion. All right? So get a copy of what was approved in 2019. Apply 15% on it. Please. Professor Gordon Awandere is the pro-vice-chancellor in charge of students and academic affairs at the University of Ghana. In that interview with Nathan Kwao. Meanwhile, the Legon chapter of the Graduate Students Association of Ghana, GRASAC, has appealed to the management of the university to be considerate, bearing in mind the economic conditions pertaining in the country. Emmanuel Owusu speaks for GRASAC Legon. Well, we believe that further engagement would, would get our university management to understand our position at the moment. Because, see, we acknowledge the efforts that the universities are putting in place to ensure that these, to ensure that the facilities run and run for our good because we consume most of the facilities. But we're saying that, listen to us, look at our plight at the moment. We, we are impacted economically and <laughs> we cannot do much about it. Some of the things that a student goes are, are constant. Imagine you live far from the uh, University of Ghana and you are renting somewhere Medina or somewhere, you know, Gojo. Look at the transport course. <laughs> you, are, you are a PhD student. You would have to uh, do academic research. These things are constant course. You cannot dodge it as a student. You must, you must endure it. You must go through it. Uh, so uh, we are considering all those factors uh, as against the fees that are, go, uh, are going to be increased. We believe that a further engagement, let's look at the subject holistically. And, if, and I think it's about time we have a national conversation on fee increments and at what point it must come in and at what point the university must also do that. So, I mean, my key question is that why would a university wait from 2019 and not increase from now? I'm not saying that it was a wise decision or it was a wrong decision, but... Uh, uh, we want to look at it holistically, and, mm. and, and, and at what point some of these fees must be increased. Okay. Emmanuel Wusu is the public relations officer of Grasak Legon. Let's hear from another student body, uh, General Secretary of NOOCS, the National Union of Ghana Students, is Joshua Ope. He joins us on the line. Joshua, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. I'm sure you've heard variously the university officials speaking on the issues of the fees and the statements that have been issued. In part, they blame GTEC over the tertiary free increment, fee increment brouhaha. Another part, they said that what the increments, what the increment that they announced is uh, backed by law, which is what was approved by parliament. What do you say to these two responses? Thank you very much uh, for having me this evening and uh, a very good evening to all your listeners. Um, having listened to the Provide, uh, provide transfer for the investor of Ghana. I think this is not the first time I'm hearing him speak on this particular issue. The last time I heard him speak was when he was calling out students who felt aggrieved to head to the courts to find a resolution to this matter. And I mean, listening to him on those two occasions, I'm not surprised at the kind of tangent that he's coming at. Um, it's disappointing to say the least that an institutional body, having been given a parliamentary approved rate, says that we are not going to apply the parliamentary approved rate on the fees that we have been paid, uh, on the students have been paying, they are going to apply this fee on some fee somewhere nobody really knows about because we feel that once we are given that opportunity or once we apply it on that one, then we will get a marginal increment. I think that it's, it's not fair to, like, it's not fair to go back and forth on this particular issue. The parliamentary directive is clear. 15% of rate as used, um, 15% of the fees has used the previous academic year, that's 21-2022 academic year. You can't comment that somewhere in 2019 we have this 
uh, this particular fee adjustment elsewhere. Because the point was that in 2019, with a similar issue that we are having now, where institutions are gone ahead to publish fees that were not um, were not in line with the parliamentary approved rate. Because in 2018-19, Parliament gave direct for five percent increment. We we'll have to go back then and check the rates that they are talking about now, whether they are even in, in, in direct or in compliance with the five percent that was given back then. It's, it's, it's quite unfair to say that because this whole back and forth from University of Ghana is very much surprising. <laughs> Parliament says that 15 percent, 21, 22. Then now you say that we should go back. I mean, it's, it's backward in itself. I, we are not agreeing to it in any way. And I, I heard him saying that the students are okay with it. It's not true. The National Union of Ghana students is not just a national entity. We exist on every single university campus. He's aware that on University of Ghana campus, we have a local National Union of Ghana students president, and they are working together with the SRC president of the University of Ghana as well. So NUCS in itself is not just a national body, but equally has like local representation. And so when we speak to the issues, we are really speaking about exactly what the student's position is on the matter as well. Let's look at the practicalities involved. In the earlier statement that um, the, the, the university issued, it said that it had not increased fees since 2019, even though it was approved. It did not do that uh, among a number of reasons, including COVID-19 and the economic situation at the time. It is only fair now that the university increases the fees. That's the argument. If you admit that fees have not been increased for the past three years, then you should understand why it's been increased now, no? All right. So the point is that for the past three years, equally, other institutions have not had the opportunity to increase. As I mentioned, the only time that institutions have the right or parliamentary approval was that 5% increment back then. But then even with that increment, there were a lot of issues. So when the investor of Ghana comes to say that they had made an increment and then later on, made like a reduction on that particular increment. It's more of like the current situation that we are having now. As I'm speaking to you now, they have published fee schedules out there. They have like schedules for students to make payments of fees, etc. This publication or publication that they've made is in contravention with like it contradicts the parliamentary approved rate. Fast forward, we'll be able to get the University of Ghana, which we can assure all students, to reduce the fees to the standard or to be in compliance with the parliamentary approved rate. Then in two years or three years time, University of Ghana comes out against to say that, okay, then maybe three years time, I mean, as we are speaking now, three years, maybe that's 2026, Parliament gives approval for another increment. The University of Ghana comes back that, no, the one that we released initially this particular day, that is the one that was supposed to be the reason which we were supposed to be paid those times, the economic crisis, etc. I don't know if you are getting the kind of context I'm trying to give you, but that's exactly what is happening now. The University of Ghana wants us to go back to a published uh, a fee that they published that was not equally in compliance with parliamentary approved rate. But the parliament is clear. Use the fee that the students were paying percent on it, even having things because there hasn't been increments in past years for all schools. It has been a flat rate. Like so, the act that has been approved now is Act 2020. You could just imagine how long it took for parliament to approve this rate. So for the past years, the universities who are now complying to the 15% have now approved them. Parliament took into consideration all these issues and says that let's make 15% of the previous academic year. They said that no. I've had the pro-VC challenge and take on people and say that simply pull out your calculator and calculate 15% of your previous fees and you would find that the university has not erred. Have you tried that? 
Yes, we have. And so in our presser, um, last, um, in our presser, uh, some weeks ago, I think two weeks ago, we, we, we had attached the copies of, you know, the calculations on it, like, in, Joshua, Joshua, I'm I'm losing you. I don't know where you are, but uh, the network is tripping. Um, is it better? Yes, please. Yes, I can hear you. Please go ahead. All right. So I'm I'm saying that we have made the analysis of the University of Ghana rate. Um, the University of Ghana has increased their fees about the fifteen percent that that the directors pay. That's even when it comes to academic, but it, it's even further when you talk. Apologies, we have to let uh, Josh go. We, we, we can't seem to make sense uh, of what he's saying because the network is not helping matters at all. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF, and we are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka, in Accra. Let me go on the other phone line and speak to Professor uh, Mohammed Salifu. He's the Director General of the Ghana Tertiary Education Commission. Prof, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Sandra, and uh, Happy New Year to you and your team. Happy New Year to you. Let me read a story on citynewsroom.com, which says UG, that's University of Ghana, blames GTEC over tertiary fee increment brouhaha. The story says the pro-vice-chancellor in charge of academic and student affairs at the University of Ghana, Professor Gordon Awandari, has blamed the Ghana Tertiary Education Commission for the confusion surrounding the increment in the facility user fees by the university, explaining the current increment which has created some furore among students and parents. Professor Awandari said nothing illegal had happened or had been done by the management of the university, adding that GTEC got its explanation wrong in its earlier statement on the increment. How do you plead? <laughs> uh... Professor Wandari is a very good friend of mine. Actually, if I had read it only online and not heard him live, I would have uh, not, you know, I wouldn't attribute that to him. I was very disappointed to hear that from him. And uh, uh, this is typical. Yeah, people want to blame others for uh, uh, mistakes that they make. And uh, I would wish that University of Ghana just focuses on the problem that has been created. Uh, so that it can be addressed effectively. Uh, he says the communication is the one that created the problem. The communication has no problem whatsoever. The communication was very clear and specific. I think he's acknowledged that the last time the approval was given was for the 2019-2020 academic year. Now, until Parliament approves again a new schedule of fees for you, you have no business going to implement anything else apart from what has been approved for you. Now, what they did was to exercise discretion after approval had been given to charge rates which were different. Well, it's good that, you know, they charge lower rates, but, you know, that was inconsistent with what approval had been given. That's the first point. The second point is that acknowledging that the approving, the sole approving authority for the fee is parliament. If they were going to vary what parliament had given to them, to all universities, to charge. They should have come back to Parliament. So as far as Parliament goes, and as far as GTEC goes, on a year-on-year basis, the last time it was approved in 2019-2020, the next time this last approval which has been given has to apply on what had been approved. Now, their point is that they have based the 15% on what was approved, but they varied it without telling anybody. 
as far as the students go, the students don't know what is in the uh, shadow. They don't know what has been published in the shadow, but they know what fees have been charged the previous year. University of Ghana had no business varying the fees that was last approved for last year without coming back to the approving authority. What they did was to exercise discretion where they didn't have any. And it is that discretion which is creating the problem now. So they should just focus on the problem that has been created and let us see how we address that. Uh, when we stated in the GTEC letter, we said that Parliament has given approval for the last approved fees to be adjusted by a maximum of 15%. And we stated for avoidance of doubt because those who deal on the fees on a year-on-year basis, that is the reference that they have. It should have been the fees charged last year, but they varied it and they never even came back to anybody. The approving authority to say, I'm not doing what you are supposed to ask me to do. That's where the confusion is coming from. And they should focus on that and stop throwing blame around. Interesting. For purposes of emphasis, um, you are saying that the 2019 fees approved by Parliament is what is supposed to be used for the calculation and not what the university itself has tabulated over the past three years. Is that is that what you're saying? Okay, so there are two things here. The first point I want to make, you know, to debunk what Prof. Uh, uh, Awandari was saying, is that if Parliament has given you approval for this year and they haven't given you approval for next year, the last approval is what you are supposed to charge for the current year. So until Parliament gives you another approval, you have no business varying it. So if he admits that the last approval was 2019-2020, and the next one is what we have just communicated, last year's fees must have been based on what was approved. But they varied it, and they didn't get back to anybody to explain that. Let me what understand, student- when was the last time Parliament approved university fees? Oh, he, he acknowledged that. The last time it was for 2019-2020. Good. So 2020-2021, there wasn't any approval? No, 2020-2021, there wasn't. And 2021-2022, Parliament has not done anything? Yes, it means okay. we should stick to the last one that has been approved. Now, he has explained that if you calculate 15% on the 2019 fees, you would realize that they haven't aired. Are you saying that that is not accurate? No, that's not what he's saying. What they actually charged for last year and the other two years, which he's talking about, is their so-called subsidized fees. But that is different from what Parliament approved and gazetted. So what he is claiming is that their fees that they've announced for the ensuing academic year is based on what has been gazetted, which Parliament assumed, and which GTEC also assumed the University of Ghana has been charging all along. Okay. They haven't done that, and they ought to have come back to Parliament to, through GTEC to say, look, even though you've given us a room to charge 5%, on top of what we were charging the preceding period, we have agreed that you know it would be better for the, our constituency to charge less than that and get approval because you don't approve that. Now, if they reduce the figure in 2019, then it means that if you put 15% on top of the fees that they have varied, even though they didn't get approval, that figure should be lower than what Parliament had approved. So it shouldn't be a problem. So why is a why is a brouhaha? But, but, but that's not what they have done. So they've gone back to what Parliament has approved, which was gazetted, which was 
on the year before 2019. You 15, know, 15% and then, or 5%? No, no. So in 2019, so for 2019-2020, Parliament gave them approval to charge fees, which was 5% higher than the preceding year. Do you understand? Ye- what yes, saying? I do. Yes. Uh-huh. And then since then, Parliament hasn't given them approval to increase their fees, which means they should stick with those fees all along up to this point in time. But what they decided to do was to exercise discretion and say, even though Parliament has given us permission to charge uh, 5% on top of what we were charging before, we think that uh, we will just forego that 5%. If you forego that because you wanted to make life easier for your students and your clientele, uh, you ought to have known that the approval uh, approving authority is not you, it's not the council, it's not the university. should have come back to the uh, approving authority to say we have varied what you are doing. So the records actually will be amended accordingly. Without coming back, the assumption is, and this is only University of Ghana that has that problem, every university else managed to implement what had been approved. And mm-hmm. there again, you'll find in their statement they are trying to blame the process that the announcement of the increase then came too late for them to implement. Meanwhile, we had communicated to them because the process was delaying and they had to do admissions. They should go ahead and do the admissions. The fees that they would announce, they should say that this is provisional, subject to them getting responses from Parliament eventually on the proposal. And that's what everybody else did, and they managed to implement that. So as we speak now, the others don't have problems with that. I mean, obviously, there are one or two cases that we need to validate. And the, the, the minister has uh, asked us to call a meeting. We are calling a meeting of all the institutions, five of them who have been cited to be charging over uh, the approved rate so that we can have a meeting and then get uh, to the bottom of these issues. But the blame game team must stop. A problem has been created needlessly. Uh, which, uh, you know, we need to focus on and, and resolve. Let's stop uh, throwing blame around. Okay. On the record, the fees that the universities are charging, including University of Ghana for now, based on the law and the fact that it, you, you say it's not been approved by parliament, becomes an illegal fee, correct? Uh, you see, if University of Ghana did not implement what had been given to them in 2019, 2020, and they've been carrying on with what they are doing, then obviously that was at variance with what had been approved. And that's the point I'm making, that they should have come back to Parliament to say we are varying it. Even though it was lower, even though it was lower, they should still have come back so that the records would have been amended accordingly. But they didn't, and Parliament has it in record that it was a adjusted 5% that, you know, was sitting against their name, and that is what they have picked on, and they, they are pl- applying the 15%. And I'm asking if, based on your knowledge of the law, that would amount to an illegal fee. Uh, Father, I'm not a lawyer. What, no. I that, <laughs> what I know is that the simple point is that Parliament approves your fees on a year-on-year basis. They approved it for last year, and you have to abide by it. And if they give you the next approval, then it's only then that you change. So if they give it to you and you implement something else, that is a problem. Very well. Let's let's leave it here for now. 
Thank you. Thank, Thank you so you much. Know. That's Professor Mohamed Salifu. He's Director General of the Ghana Tertiary Education Commission, GTEC. Uh, earlier, you heard the University of Ghana students, National University, National Union of Ghana students, rather, uh, General Secretary Joshua Ope. That is not all. We have more on the University of Ghana. There was a protest today. We'll also talk more on the fees when we come back. Please stay. This is Eyewitness News. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. Let me bring some of your reactions before I bring my next interview. Um, this one from Dr. Crick, who uh, says, I disagree with the GTEC professor on the issue that universities should have gone back to seek approval for charging less. I think the universities are right and the students and GTEC are wrong. Adams, inside Asinfosu, says, uh, UAW is charging more than the 15% increment. I'm a distance student, final year student, and I paid 2,700 CDs. The fee was uh, realized just like two days and uh, was released. The fees were released just like two days ago. Students are being tasked to pay 3,500, which is more than the aforementioned percentage. Okay. Togbi Dobu says, if Parliament never approved any fees in 2020-2021, yet the universities charged fees different from the last approved during the period, charging illegal fees, the authorities must be arrested. Prince Henry Nkofuridua says, the government must intervene now before it's too late. Why charge these exorbitant fees under this haircut economy? Too much hardship. Oh. Ayambugri Abdul Bashiru from Garu says, We know, and Garu is where Quality FM, our partner station is. He says, We know this is a peculiar issue for the university, but management should find a remedy to the problem and comply by what has been approved. Let me hear from the Ministry of Education. Uh, Kwesi Kwarten is Head of Public Affairs at the Education Ministry. Uh, Mr. Kwarten, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Yeah, thank you, tomorrow, and a very good evening to you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, except that your, your New Year is starting on uh, disagreements, chaos, and a few other things. Where, from where you sit, on top of Ghana's education uh, tree, what do you make of the impasse between students and universities and even GTEC on how much has been charged where and why it should not be or why it should be? Okay, thank you, Maru. In any arrangement where you have uh, human engagement, uh, human interaction, humans interfacing with each other, uh, those things, those disagreements and impasse uh, is possible. Of course, when it comes to uh, duty as leadership, uh, is to be able to uh, resolve it and then find a lasting solution to it. Uh, it is indeed true uh, that when it comes to uh, matters relating to payment of fees, and of course, uh, approval or the approved fees that students want to pay, uh, there has been some disagreement between students, uh, even the investors, and to the larger extent, even that is the agency responsible for are regulating tertiary institutions. Um, but of course, uh, the reference point remains only the law. And the law or the laws of this country is very clear. Of course, uh, recourse has to be made to the Fees and Charges Act, uh, which requires that 
before any university uh, whatsoever and with, that, with whatever mandate that the university has, obviously before they proceed to levy any fees on students, that fees ought to go to parliament for annual appropriation and approval before such fees can be charged on the students. And so whichever the case may be, uh, reference is obviously made to them, and the law is clear, and that is what the fees and charges act provides. So in this year, for instance, you had uh, Parliament of Ghana deciding that uh, investors should only pay their increments uh, to 15% of the fees that they charged last year. And so far as the Ministry of Education is concerned, uh, that is what Parliament has decided, and that is what ought to be, 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 be done. Of course, the Ministry have also received some complaints, uh, largely from the student unions and, and the student community in, in large. And what they are saying is that there have been some universities who are not uh, going or abiding by the decision that was made by Parliament. And, of course, parliamentary decision was, was backed by law. And so any university that does not go by it... Uh, within the context of the law, will be seen to be flouting the law. And I'm sure our investors know better than myself, our professors know better than myself. But I think what is most important, of course, like they always say, when two elephants fight, it's the grass that suffers. And so you have the students who and their parents that are probably at the receiving end of this. And so what is most important is to be able to resolve it. And consequently, the Minister for Education, Dr. Yosedu Chumaza, once again intervened and have uh, invited the universities in question, uh, referring to, I think, five of them. You have University of Ghana, uh, KNUST, UCC, and uh, some other public universities. So we've extended the invitation to them. Uh, hopefully, we'll be meeting them together with GTEC, and uh, that is coming Thursday. And, uh, of course, I mean, the, the entire aim of the meeting is to be able to uh, find a lasting solution or resolve this issue uh, so that uh, we will get a finality and clarity to it at the end of the day. So hopefully, uh, Thursday, when the Minister for Education, Dr. Osedu Chum, who has again intervened in this matter, meets uh, with the parties referring to the universities, uh, GTEC, and of course the student body, uh, we should be able to find a lasting solution to this. But, I mean, beyond that, what is most important is that the law is clear uh, the law has provided the framework upon which fees uh, should be charged. Uh, Parliament has done their work, and so the expectation was that if there is any contrary view or any disagreement, uh, recourse is made to the law. Uh, when situations happen like that, often at times uh, you get media and interested parties, and of course the general public asking what authorities are doing. Uh, in issues like this, it's not really about let's say enforcement, but sometimes compliance is also very important. So when Parliament makes a decision, uh, that is the, the, uh, uh, the legislative arm of government makes a decision backed by law, and you have a university that is going contrary uh, to the decision, uh, the, the other question that people may also want to ask is what also happened to the compliance aspect. So is a is a is a is a is a is a difficult, uh, how do you call it, conversation. But, of course, that is why we are there as leadership. We are sure students, we are sure parents, and we are sure Ghanaians that hopefully Thursday, when we meet, we should be able to find an end to this. Which means that the ministry also recognizes that what the university and the universities are doing may be 
illegal, just as GTEC has said. So you are on the side of GTEC on this matter. Uh, the law is the law. And so the position of the law is supreme. Uh, all other rules, whatever, I mean, decisions that have been made that contravenes the provisions of the law, of course. I mean, obviously, it's inconsistent with the law. And no uh, institution can make a decision uh, that contravenes the provisions of the law. And so, uh, if there is any other person or there is any other institution that is expected to break the law, or, I mean, look, go beyond the law, it cannot be the Ministry of Education. And so when Parliament makes a decision, obviously, <laughs> the Ministry of Education will stand by the law or will stand, I mean, <laughs> with the position of the law. And so definitely, if the universities are not conforming to what the law provides and what has been provided within the framework of the law, clearly, uh, that will be, uh, 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 how do you call it, a subversion of the law. And it is not something that the Ministry of Education, headed by Dr. Ayosedu, will encourage. But of course, I mean, this thing, beyond the, the, the legality aspect of it, uh, the universities have also raised an argument. Uh, at the end of the day, we, we have to resolve it. We can't be also excessively legalistic. Uh, there has to be a balance of, uh, uh, how do you call it, legality, are coupled with wisdom and, and mass engagement with all parties. And so we will meet them. When we meet them, uh, we should be able to make uh, a headway. Very well. We wait to see what the outcome of that meeting would be. Thank you so much for speaking to us, sir. Thank you. Well, that's Kwesi Kwatin. He's head of public affairs at the Education Ministry. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Now, the issue of fees isn't the only challenge uh, at the University of Ghana. Today, there was a demonstration. Nashika has a story. Right. Some former old students of the Commonwealth Hall and Mensa Sabah Hall have expressed the unflinching support to continuing students of these two halls who are protesting against the university management for transferring them from their halls. The university took the decision as a punitive measure for a clash between some students that led to the destruction of the bust of John Mensa Saba. The students have, however, expressed their displeasure about the move, insisting that the decision is ill-intended and poses financial challenges on them as the new halls are thrice expensive than their current halls of residence. At a solidarity visit to the university, some of the old students assured the current student that steps have been taken to reverse the decision in court. Apologies, uh, we do not have that sound bite. We'll try to um, reload it in our system and then bring it to you. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka, in Accra. Let me bring a few more of the messages that you have been sending through on the subject matter, uh, which is a conversation around university fees, what has been approved and uh, what has not been approved and why that is being uh, charged according to one party and another party. Um, this one from... Um, okay, I think that message has disappeared on my screen. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Let's talk about the birth and death registry. It is in trouble, isn't it, Nashika? 
Some individuals who visited the National Office of Bets and Debts Registry for their certificates were left frustrated following power outage issues. According to sources, the facility has been without power for over three weeks now. The situation has in turn hampered the issuance of certificates to clients. Speaking to City News, some of the frustrated clients called on the authorities to rectify the challenges as soon as possible. I came to collect my deficit. I came to return deficit for some time ago. So I came back for it. Uh, okay. And what is the challenge? Have you been able to get it? Yeah, I got it by the addressing stick. So I came here to rectify the mistake. And they say I should come next week because they have a lot of problems. Uh, yeah. Okay. So you were expecting to get it today, I'm sure. No, I got your but I came to rectify okay, the mistake. Okay. And because of lot, this is a lot of problems, they say I should come next week. But would you say it's a worry to you? Yeah, it's a worry because sometimes it takes time, you know. <laughs> That's what I can say. Mm, it's a worry for themselves and for the clients. Uh, yes. And which side are you coming from? Oh, I'm, I'm staying around uh, Nyao, Nyao Lassop. Yeah, now from uh, what do you call it? Uh, is it uh, what do you call it? Shangri-La, around Shangri-La. Uh, I think it's very close for you. Uh, yes. So I, because of it's just I, I can just walk and come here. It's just for this time for me to come. But other people are traveling far away to come here. Then you know to be issue for them. So when are you looking to come back? And this week. Yeah, he needed a, a traveling passport. So when I went there with him, we were asked to come and change the birth set. He has the old one, and they said they are no longer using that that one. So we should come and change it. Okay. And for the past three weeks. And I was asked to follow up this week. So when I came, I saw the lady. She said she wasn't the very person who received it. So I should go and then come later. I asked when I should follow up. And she didn't give me any uh, date, specific date to come. So I'm going back and then maybe Friday I'll, I'll come and check again to see. But my son will be leaving tomorrow. That, that would mean that it's going to be an inconvenience for your son. Actually, but what can I do? Well, if I go back to the uh, passport office, is there that I will know what to do the next? Other than that, uh, as I now, I can also ask him to wait while the I mean opening tomorrow, so he has to leave for school. You had the some frustrated client of the Beth and Death Registry interacting with my colleague Kweku Ediyama Ansa. Meanwhile, the public relations officer for the registry, Adam Abdullah, said measures have been put in place to rectify the situation. Yes, it was a precautionary measure we're taking in place, you know, by cutting the power to prevent anything like untoward happening. And um you know, but now I think it has protracted quite a, a little bit and they are working. I mean, they are hands-on, you know, trying to make sure that the thing is solved by the end of the week. Yeah. Now, in the interim, can people also go on other portals to do their services? They any other yes, yes. Um, I think this is a great opportunity for us to uh, let the public know that we have our services migrated online and you, you, should not, you, you don't need to come to uh, any better industry registry office 
or anything to now start a registration process, whether it's a fresh bet or it's, or it's a late bet registration or debt registration, whatever it is. So um, all our services are, are online on www.ghana.gov.gh. When you go there, you look for best and debt registry, and then you assess our, uh, our services on whatever it is, whether it's a fresh best registration, um, late best registration, fresh debt registration, late whatever it is, search, whatever it is, you can do that online. So you don't actually need to come to offices. And also to, uh, let me also try and uh, take the opportunity to inform the public that, you know, our services usually um, are best assessed at a district level. Okay, so if you have an issue, if you are born in a certain district, it's best to actually actually go to that district and get a birth certificate to understand. If a child is born today in maybe in Kotobabi, it's best that he goes to the Kotobabi district office to actually start the process of getting uh, their uh, uh, birth uh, certificate. You understand? It's better than actually coming to the head office because in the head office, we just coordinate the activities that are going on here and things and then maybe just a few things like searches and things that we are in charge of. But essentially, almost everything that you need is at the district level. So we encourage the public to go to our district offices and all of them are fully functioning. They don't have issues that we have today, all of them are fully functioning and then they are ready to serve you. Finally, for people who have come here and have been asked to go and return, what would you tell them so that they remain calm? Um, you know, uh, those who have come here, I think that um, if they have been told to go and return, then maybe they are supposed to go and come back for it. Well, I think it's, it's a whole process, you understand. It starts from the district level, goes to the regional level and comes to the national level. So, so you cannot come to a best and this yes, and then get it on the same day. You see, so it's a process. So if you come, you will take your details as we are doing now. Take your details, and then we'll ask that's what you go and then you return. You see, for the for on, on the due date of, of when the uh, certificate is actually ready. That was Adam Abdullah, who is the public relations officer of the Beth and Deaths Registry. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Every market movement and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. It's time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nashika Caesar. Let's settle for the details. Freight forwarders in the country are projecting a rise in the cost of business transactions at the ports this year. This comes on the back of government withdrawal of the benchmark discount values and an increase in the value-added tax by 2.5%. Speaking to City Business News, the Tema branch chairman for the Ghana Institute of Freight Forwarders, Johnny Mante, said importers should brace themselves to pay more at the ports. Prior to the 1st of December, we had um, the commissioner's order indicating that count policy of uh, 10% for vehicles and 30% for general cargo has been withdrawn. Of course, uh, there's a 2.5% VAT that would also kick in um, soon. So um, I believe that um, in the coming days, um, people have to bring themselves to importers to pay a little bit more for um, imported cargo. Well, the impact, basically, it is not just for freight but for, you know, you and I, for 
anybody who buys anything within this country, especially um, goods that we don't have comparative advantage over. So if you go to the market tomorrow, uh, unless probably um, the trader would want to absorb that cost, um, things are generally um, would, would, would um, go up. That was the Tema branch chairman for the Ghana Institute of Freight Forwarders, Johnny Manti. Meanwhile, the Ghana Shippers Authority, GSA, and Freight Forwarders have announced new rates for the year 2023. In an agreement signed between GSA clearing agents and freight forwarders, the GSA explained that the move was in accordance with its regulations. Peter Mensah is the vice president of the Ghana Institute of Freight Forwarders. Since 2016, we have not reviewed rate. So 2022 rate was carefully negotiated. In fact, it took us about three months. And some of the factors we considered were, the first of all, the inflation situation of, situation of the country. And then also, we also considered the fact that we don't burden the shipper so much of expense yeah, because uh, reducing the cost of doing business at the port was very paramount in our negotiation. Even if every year were to be viewed by 50% from 2016 to 2012, it was about six years, and 50% by six years was going to be about 300%. But then we saw that it would be a burden on the on the shipper or the businessman. So we decided to still maintain the 50%, some of them 100%, some of them 120 with the highest 150%. Ours does not have any uh, major impact act in the cost of goods on the market, no. Because of the negotiational uh, activity or exercise that goes on between the forwarder and the importer. Peter Mensah is the Vice President of the Ghana Institute of Freight Forwarders, GIF. Now, the Vehicle and Asset Dealers Union of Ghana, VADOC, has indicated that the prices of vehicles will shoot up considerably following the reversal of the benchmark value policy. Government in 2019 implemented the benchmark policy in a bid to help reduce the prices of imported products in the country, but has recently announced a complete reversal of the benchmark policy of a 30% discount on import values of general goods and 10% discount on home delivery values of vehicles. Speaking to City Business News, Acting General Secretary of Vaduk Frank Atanli Kofiga said, the reversal will lead to unbearable economic hardship for business operators in the country. That means that the goods or the vehicles that will be coming in after the implementation of this policy will be affected. So you need as much money to be able to take care of the incoming goods that you have, the vehicles, that you have, but we know that the prices of vehicles will increase considerably. It's very stressing that we find ourselves in a market where the government feels that they can do whatever they want to do. They do not care about the people uh, who are affected by it. And we also think that, okay, this is what government is saying. The final consumer pays it. The final consumer pays it. Because if AGI is against it, if Guta is for it, if Guta is against it, AGI is for it, if vehicle asset dealers against it. It's going to create a mess in the system. And one particular group is for it, another particular group is against it. Then it looks as if one particular group at all point in time is against government policy. But the policy should come hand in hand. We should marry the policies with the stakeholders' engagement and ideas so that we won't end up protesting against everything. Frank Atanli Kofiga is the General Secretary of the Vehicle and Asset Dealers Union of Ghana, VADUK.
Meanwhile, the Ghana Union of Traders Association, Guta, has called for a total reform in the implementation of the value-added tax, VAT, to enhance compliance. Guta, however, warns that failure to reform the system may not yield the expected results. In an interview with City Business News, President of Guta, Dr. Joseph Obin, said the increase in VAT will only worsen the plight of businesses and consumers in Ghana. The demand for roads has become the cry of many communities in the country. Unfortunately, with the current economic difficulties and the absence of dedicated sources of funding for roads, construction, it is difficult. We do apologize for that wrong insects. Now let's move on. Players in the hospitality industry have revealed that they recorded a boost in sales during the Yuletide. This comes as the sector thrived to recover from the impact of COVID-19 pandemic as it took a major hit from the outbreak. The government, on the other hand, launched some initiatives to attract both local and domestic tourists in the country as part of efforts to revive the industry. In an interview with City Business News President of the Ghana Hotels Association, Dr. Edward Akanyamike, while lauding government's efforts, added that the high cost of doing business in the country remains a bottleneck. I must say that uh, it's been very good. Of course, you have a few or some hotels who may have had a few challenges, probably because of location and other issues. But on the average, and looking at it from the perspective of the association, business was quite good. But in terms of patronage, because when you look at the other side of it, which is where the cost of operations comes in, that's where we have we still have the challenge. Because uh, patronage was good, but then a lot of the revenue to had to go into cost of operation. So that's the picture that we, we had over the unit. Some factors played in favor of uh, this particular unit. Because first of all, you know that this is the first uh, Christmas period after the COVID restrictions was lifted. Okay, so that gave a lot of people the freedom to go out there and do a lot of things. And also there's been this promotion of uh, the domestic tourism and the destination Ghana, which the president himself launched in London. Okay, so all these factors also played in for this particular year. And then the December in GH, which also attracted a lot of patronage, also played in favor of it. So all these factors, which were not really present last year, have all played in favor for this year to have the patronage that I'm talking about. That was President of the Ghana Hotels Association, Dr. Edward Aka Nyamike. Finally, the Chamber of Agribusiness Ghana is calling for a clearer government policy to check excessive rice importation into the country. The Chamber believes Ghana has both natural and human resources to increase rice production in the sub-region. This comments come on the back of an assurance by the Finance Minister, Ken Ufuriata, of government's commitment to reversing Ghana's over-dependence on imported rice by the end of 2023. Kojo Ahiaka is a lead agribusiness consultant at the Chamber of Agribusiness Ghana and he has been speaking to City Business News. Ghana's ability to be rice efficient is no brainer and the statistics is clear and it's there for everybody to see. And so um, what we need is that solid policy to promote local participation and also consumption of our locally produced rice, which I think we have not been doing well. With respect to Casting down the importation, it, I think it's it, it long overdue. 
we started this conversation even before all these regimes end. And then we're still here talking about it. And I expected that. By this time, since the failure of successive government, this government will have taken it to work, especially with this ambitious one district, one factory project, will have taken this to the next level. And by this time, we should be talking about how to sustain the gains we have made in the field in terms of life production and self-sufficiency domestically. So what we need, I don't think what we lack is the manpower. We have the manpower, we have the land, and we also have the market even consume what we produce. What we need now is what now is a deliberate government policy to drive taste. I mean consumers, local consumers taste locally produced grains, right? He also urged stakeholders in the agriculture sector to rally financial support for local rice farmers in order to meet international competition by producing standard rice for the global market. One of the difficult parts of the local rice production is the lack of the appropriate infrastructure. The local producers fail to be able to meet minimum standards. One of the main reasons why you and I, and especially most local consumers, do not want to risk patronizing the local rice is the issue of stones, uh, I mean pebbles, that are kind of mixed with the grain. I'm sure you have that complaint at that time. And so people still have that idea. And because we still mill the rice manually, so we need to get to that sophisticated level where we have the right machinery, we have the right infrastructure to at least get to a certain minimum standard where uh, our rice, local rice that are milled, polished locally, will be rid of these stones and other contaminants that make it difficult for, for uh, consumers to patronize. In that case, we may need funding both locally and internationally. So we need a funding agency, we need government to also guarantee some form of funding for some of these commercial producers. I mean, uh, smallholder producers who can form groups of rice farmers producers and that sort of that we can guarantee center financing to produce and be able to have a milling center, a common milling center where they can milk their rice and package and sell locally. That was a lead agribusiness consultant at the Chamber of Agribusiness Ghana, Kujo Ahyapa. That's all for City Business News and Eyewitness News, which was powered by your most comprehensive business website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nashika Caesar. Up next is Point Blank. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sanda Amada. Tonight on Point Blank, we'll talk about the President's priority of priorities, the National Cathedral. It has been in controversy from day one and is still a subject of controversy. Over the weekend, the President donated some 100,000 cities towards the construction of the project. And he says... He wants the Christian community to help him build it and finish it and dedicate it to God. But before we talk about the National Cathedral, there is a petition, or there was a petition sent to Dr. George Kufu Dampari, the Inspector General of Police, on Akunta Mines. IGP was urged to prosecute directors of Akunta Mine Limited. Following their involvement in activities that the Minister for Lands and Natural Resources did not uh, particularly believe was legal. That petition was by the Media Coalition against Galamse. The man leading the group is engineer Dr. Ken Ashigbe. He's joining me on the line. Doc, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you very much, Amaru. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, but, I mean, Auntie Galamse fighter, I won't ask you to deliver a um, New Year gift, so let's leave it there. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you, Amaru. Lama sabo kadrika yava to me. Um, maune ira miekatana ganeva, museneva. <laughs> For people who don't remember what exactly the backstory is, Akunta mining came in the came in, well became topical when the Minister for Lands and Natural Resources spoke about it, issued a statement. That was the reason you wrote your petition to the IGP. Remind us what happened and why you asked the IGP to arrest and prosecute. So thank you very much. So uh, prior to uh, the Minister for Lands and Natural Resources issuing a statement, which was unprecedented, saying that Akunta Mining was mining in the Tano Nimiri Forest Reserve illegally, uh, one of your the media people had also done some expose that had shown that Akunta Mining was actually mining within the Tano Nimiri Forest Reserve. Uh, had, uh, then also we saw that even in the concessions that we had outside the town, uh, the uh, the Forest Reserve, they were also uh, mining very close to the tunnel. And then, if you also remember, the people of Samaraboy clashed uh, with the workers of uh, Akonta Mining when they attempted uh, getting into the Forest Reserve again to mine. So the fact that Akonta Mining were actually mining within the tunnel Nimue Forest Reserve without a license was not in dispute. Because after the minister uh, issued a statement, uh, the Minerals Commission also came and also issued a statement collaborating uh, what the minister had said, that these people were actually in the, uh, the town of Nimiri Forest Reserve illegally. And so we know that if you are mining anywhere illegally without alliances or a permit, you sin against the Minerals and Mining Act, uh, which is a crime. And so we had petitioned the IGP and then Attorney General uh, because the steering committee had gone to um, the office of the Register of Companies and had done a search on Akonta Mining and had discovered that there were two directors, two owners and beneficial uh, owners as well. Uh, in Chibu who happens to be the MPP 
uh, Ashanti Regional Chairperson and one Kwame Enfi. The two of them are the directors and the beneficiary owners of this uh, company. So we believe that based on the media work that has been done and then uh, the, the, the statement that had been issued by the Minister for Land and Natural Resources, collaborated by uh, the Land Commission, uh, the directors of Akunta Mining had questions to answer and there was enough evidence for their prosecution. The Attorney General responded to us and told us that, you know, by the constitutional mandate, he could not on his own volition uh, initiate investigations. But rather, it's the police and other investigative bodies who would do that, and they would come to them for advice or prosecution. And so we, we the same petition was sent to the IGP. Uh, he had indicated a date that he was going to meet us. Uh, however, he postponed it. And up to date, that has not happened. And we are not also aware that the directors, the two directors of Akunta Mining, have been arrested. Neither are we aware of other investigations are carrying on and they are preparing them, uh, preparing to send them to court. All right. So you are sending this um, petition or letter as a reminder to the IGP. If the IGP is listening or anybody in his secretariat are listening, uh, what would be your simple message to the IGP? Our simple message to the IGP is that, you know, this is a criminal offense. The president has said that we should provide evidence. The minister who is close with the executive powers of the president to act in the particular uh, ministry says this person does not have a permit to mine. The mineral commission, the regulator also says so. And so, the, you know, so the best thing to do and in the interest of this country to show people that we don't care whose ass is God, they definitely need to hold that the two directors of Akonta Mining and any other of their officers who are involved in this illegality. And as the Catholic Bishops' Conference also asked, you know, investigate, you know, gather the necessary evidence. Let's take them to court and prosecute them. Prosecuting just those who are found in the pits and all of that will not resolve our challenge for us. As we sit as a country, uh, it has been determined that Ghana is a water-vulnerable country. We are approaching who's going to become water distressed like country, uh, that, uh, cities like uh, Cape Town and all of that. We don't want to get there. We know the challenges, the people who are dying in the pit. We know what, uh, you know, the stillbirths and all that are happening. This is a crisis. So we're appealing to uh, the IGP that he should do what we've known him to do. He should do the needful and make sure that those persons are brought to book. And we're waiting for his investigation, for his invitation to meet up with him. Very well, thank you. I'm sure he's listening to us. And then if 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 that feels, maybe you would want to do another reminder. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank, thank you. The reminders will go every week, so he, 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 he invites us. Make sure you don't get charged with, um, what's the word, uh, disturbing the peace by <laughs> by flooding the IGP's office with letters. Omaro, I am as guilty as charged. That is what I'm going to be charged. It's I, not going to happen. I wish you all the best, Adinsawam. Thank you for speaking to us. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> That's engineer, Dr. Engineer um, Ken Ashikbe. He is a convener of the Media Coalition Against Galamsey. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. Let's turn attention now to the National Cathedral. And tonight on Point Blank, we are bringing you a playback of a speech delivered by the Executive Director of the National Cathedral Secretary, Dr. Kusi Opoku Mensa. On the set of the construction of the National Cathedral, and the issues that have characterized the construction. Listen. State of the National Cathedral Project. 
to be able to say that, let me recap. On March 6, 2017, the 60th anniversary of our independence, the president, in his first Independent Day address, made a historic, surprise historic announcement. And I quote, I'm happy to announce that on my way to these grounds, that is the Independence Square, I stopped to perform a very important duty. I have this morning cut the sword for the commencement of the building of a national cathedral of interdenominational worship in our capital, Accra, which is supported by many of our leading figures of faith. It is meant to be a gesture of thanksgiving to the Almighty for the blessings he showered and continues to shower on our nation, unquote. This was the first official announcement that kicked off the implementation of the project. Since this official announcement, significant progress has been made to the level where all the foundational work is now complete. But to understand the work, the scope of work that we have done, it is important to understand the vision of implementation that has shaped the project. This vision is located in the quest to structurally transform Ghana by using the National Cathedral to develop the country into a religious hub, an African Christian metropolis at a time when, for the first time in history, there are more Christians in Africa, 650 million plus, than any other continent. Mr. President, the notion of an African Christian metropolis was first introduced by Dr. J.B. Dankwa, incidentally, in an address on March 15, 1963, in Osu. In the address titled African Culture and Christian Religion, and delivered to the Presbyterian Young People's Guild at a meeting chaired by the then General Secretary of the Christian Council, Reverend T. Osei, Dr. J.B. Dankwa argued that the lack of Christian permanence in Africa in the early years of Christianity and again in the 14th and 15th centuries was because Africa did not develop its own Christian metropolis, that is, East Rome and Constantinople. In his usage, therefore, Dr. J.B. Dankwa saw the establishment of the metropolis as the key to Christian permanence in Ghana and the African continent. And his vision dream was that Ghana became a Christian civilization and Africa's first Christian metropolis. In appropriating it to the National Cathedral, however, we see it as a framework to transform Ghana into a major religious hub in support of our long-term transformation as a country. That is, using the National Cathedral to develop Ghana into a major international pilgrimage and tourist site. The project has been developed to achieve this in the following ways. One, the design. Uh, the design, path-breaking, uh, dubbed as an architectural reflection of African uh, Christianity, captures the moment when Christianity has become a significant force on African institutional landscape. It is the path-breaking work of iconic architect Sir David Ajay. The second one uh, is the Bible Museum of Africa, which we've integrated into the project, covering over 100,000 square feet of exhibition space and whose development is coordinated by the founding president of the Bible Museum in Washington, D.C. It will be the largest Bible museum in the world with a thematic focus on, one, the role of Africa and Africans in the Bible, and two, the history and contemporary place of the church in Africa and the African diaspora. Among others, it will house all Bibles translated into African languages, tell the story of the church in Africa and the African diaspora, and provide a convenient platform for discussions on the role of faith in Africa's transformation. Three, biblical gardens of Africa. Covering a space of 10,000 square feet, it will include the trees, shrubs, and flowers of the Bible, and serve as a major resource for Christians all over the African continent. 
Finally, we've integrated an economic engine made up of about 10 uh, revenue sources, and this includes multi-purpose rental spaces, a 1,000-plus seater banquet hall, conference center, a 350-seater biblical restaurant, cafe, shops, theaters, conference hall, etc. This does not just introduce a sustainable model for managing our national monuments. More importantly, this economic engine, which is expected to bring in a profit of $95 million in the first five years, and all this economic impact analysis is with the Minister of Finance and Parliament, enables the progressive programming that will attract global and African visitors. For the record, once again, this economic impact analysis has been submitted to Parliament. These initiatives, the path-breaking design, the Bible Museum of Africa, the Biblical Gardens of Africa, and the economic engine helps to ensure the development of Ghana into a major religious hub, a metropolis for African Christianity. Uh, we are in talk with the Israeli Antiquities Authority to ensure that we secure the artifacts that help make this into a major global site for Africa and international uh, visitors. In fact, in June, uh, the Minister of Finance and I were in Israel uh, being shown around all the artifacts uh, when the third wave of discontent uh, started. But we are happy that they are excited to be loaning as these artifacts, which cost millions. We, there's no way we can afford to buy them. They are willing to give it, make this on a long-term loan for us. Second, the construction of the National Cathedral, the report. After the initial foundational work, an international procurement process led to the selection of a joint venture led by the Italian firm Rizani di Eka, whose project portfolio includes the Zayed Grand Mosque in Abu Dhabi and two of the leading construction firms in Ghana, Messrs. Babisotti and Sons and Di Simone. The consortium of these three leading construction firms becomes Rizani Ribadi. The start of construction was delayed due to COVID, but started in late 2000, 2020. To understand the scope of, the scope of work that has been done, it is important to understand the following general details. The cathedral includes seven levels, two basement levels and five upper levels, making it the highest civic building in Accra with a height of about 50 meters. Uh, job 600, the parliament offices, is 45 meters as a standalone structure. And with the bell tower, it reaches 58.5, nearly 60 meters, making it the largest single building in Accra. There are other uh, issues, we, we can read it from the brochure, but the works executed on site, uh, there's been all these uh, issues about us digging a hole. Uh, we just want to, uh, a bit on the work that has been done. First, the site is established. Uh, the site establishment is complete. Five cranes have been purchased and delivered to the site. Three cranes have been installed uh, to date. A concrete batching plant has been set up in the East Gardens, which is the other side uh, of the space. A rubber cut and bending yard has been set up, which is here. Offices, all these offices, staff canteen, wash and toilet blocks, warehouse, storages, laid down areas have all been set up with part of the money. Uh, so when they say we've not used the money, this is what it's also been used for. Further establishment items like warehouses, storages, lawn areas have now been set up. Further establishment items like management, size staff, security, technical equipment, and machinery generators tools have all been provided by the contractor. 
An area of about 70,000 square meters has been cleared. About 120 trees within the construction perimeter have been retained. Existing services on site, electricity, water, sewage, and telecommunication have been relocated. About 230 square meters soil have been excavated and removed from site. All that uh, hole there. About 1,400 square meter concrete has been laid on the site so far, and about 1,900 tons of rebar have been purchased and delivered to site. About 220 tons of rebar have been installed up to date. And about 10,000 square meters of waterproofing material has been purchased and started to be installed. And to explain further, uh, part of the construction methodology is that the whole structure after the foundation is made up of steel, uh, which means that the steel has to be pre uh, ordered, and that is why uh, some of the work has stalled because you need the upfront investment. But once you are able to get that and put the structure on, it just remains the cloud. That's why we remain convinced that we will be able to finish this in time before the end of 2024. In other words, the idea that somehow we took the funds and just dug a hole is simply mischievous. For the record, a report of all these activities I've mentioned supported by detailed pictures, have all been submitted to Parliament. Accountability and fundraising for the National Cathedral. Mr. President, for the record, I want to state categorically that we've accounted for all the monies from the state to the National Cathedral project. And this accounting has been submitted to Parliament. For purposes of clarity, I want to report a verbatim memo I sent on this issue dated 19th January 2022, and addressed to the Clerk of Parliament. The indication was that uh, the government had given us 339, and we could account for 225, uh, leaving 114 uh, million missing. As I indicated, uh, and here I quote what I wrote to the Clerk, as we indicated to the committee on Thursday, December 15th, 2022, the total amount paid by the government of Ghana to the National Cathedral Project is 339 uh, million cities. The total, this total is made up of the following. One, amount paid directly to the National Cathedral Secretariat is 225 million. And the amount paid directly to the consultants, AJ Associates and Design Team is 113040 uh, So it's literally 113114 million. The two payments total, 339 00306486. So first, there is and there are no missing funds that could not be accounted for. Second, the detailed accounting for these funds was provided to Parliament on December 15, 2022, by the Secretariat. In the case of the accounting from the Secretariat, this involved, among others, total payments made to the contractor and total payments made to the Bible Museum and Biblical Gardens Design Team. This team includes leading firms like Kubik, Malt, BPRD, Cortina, JMC, who between them have done some of the major works, including African American Museum, Bible Museum, and major art and presidential museums globally. In the case of the amount paid to the consultants, this included a list of all the companies in the consultants team. I read for impact, for emphasis, I read the list of these companies to the Parliamentary Subcommittee on Trade, Industry, and Tourism on December 15, 2022. We did this because there was this assertion that we had paid the uh, architects. I wanted to inform them 
uh, with the documentation that the architect doesn't have a contract. For what exists is a contract for consultant services, almost about 30 services that were all provided to Parliament with about 15 international and uh, Ghanaian companies uh, who are the recipient of uh, that amount. Sir David Ajay does not have a contract. There's no contract for an architect. There's a contract for consultancy services with all this uh, company. While a project of this nature will always have its discontents, we are nonetheless concerned about the misrepresentations, particularly when it comes from members of parliament. For instance, the continuous misrepresentation of the contract to the consultants is worrying, as none of the amounts bandied around comes anywhere near the contract amount. Rather than 34%, that was said, we said we had paid the architect 34%, actually the contract figure is 12.5%. When the Ministry of Works and Housing allows for 16.5%, and the 12.5% will not change irrespective of what happens to the total cost. But more critically, the contract, as I said, is not for an architect, but for a set of consultant services involving 15 international and Ghanaian firms, of which Sir David Ajay Associates are lead consultants. Going forward, we plan to proactively engage Parliament to ensure the rationalization of the national conversation on the National Cathedral. To begin with, we have invited the Committee on Trade, Industry and Tourism for a side visit to understand the scope of work that has been done. We are also planning a retreat early this year to bring the Committee up to date on the project. The way forward for the future of the uh, project. Essentially, there are a number of areas, but they all boil down to money. Uh, so I'm not going to read all the strategies we've um, listed. Essentially, uh, we believe that at the heart of our strategy is to raise a million Ghanaians who will give us 100 cities a month. If we can do that for just two years, we will have the capital resources for the cash flow as well as have some for endowment. Just a million people, we are supposed to be 31 million citizens, 21 million of whom are Christians. Uh, if the church leaders stand with us on this project, we can easily raise a million people who will give us 100 cities. If you raise, you give us 1 million cities, it accounts for quite a number of... So this is really going forward. Essentially, we need the church to stand with us to ensure the state has done enough. I mean, all the preparatory work, the foundational work has been done. Uh, the scope of work that has been done without the state, impossible. We need the church in Ghana to stand with us. This is a monument to the church. This is a monument to God. This is a symbol of the Christian presence in this country. We can do it. It is doable, as uh, our Chief Justice, former Chief Justice, would say. This is doable. Uh, 21 million Christians, 1 million, uh, we can do it. And uh, so... The National Cathedral of Ghana Complex is a major addition to Ghana's nation-building infrastructure. Its design, features, and programming are aimed at integrating our spirituality into our development. Its development brings together the best expertise in the world with the best in Ghana with the objective of producing a world-class experience that contributes significantly to the country's transformation. The National Cathedral is therefore a major investment. It is not a vanity project that is going to settle the country with debt. This is an investment, it's not debt.
So you're listening there to Dr. Kusi Opoku Mensa. He is the Executive Director of the National Cathedral Secretariat. Before then, you heard uh, Dr. Engineer Kenashigbe of the Anti-Galamsey Campaign. And that would be it for Point Blank and for that matter, Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadou. Production by Beverly London, Sami Wiafi and Fred Tetejabana. Technical support from Daniel Squashi. The show will be played back at midnight in case you missed any segment. Thank you for listening. Have a good night. City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959. And get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM, and on Twitter at City 973.